series on won't you be my neighbor and of being the ultimate neighbor because Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 37. This has been our key text we've been reading from. Jesus replied and said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. And it is love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is saying the most important thing out there is to love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your body. And then he says, but just as important, just as important is to love your neighbor. And so we've been talking about what effect in our nation. I've watched all the negative news when I, when I came up with this series. I've been watching the news, and I said, what would happen in our country today if we just took these small keywords that Jesus said, and he says we're so important, and we actually love our neighbor as ourselves? We wouldn't see, we wouldn't have to see the marching in the streets. We wouldn't have to see all this stuff. Because love would be everywhere. Love conquers everything. Love fixes. It even says that love covered a multitude of sins. That's what love does. And so we've been talking about loving our neighbors as ourselves. And uh, we talked about Paul in Galatians 5.13. He says, for this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul's saying the one thing that can make a difference, Jesus Jesus spoke it out there and said the one thing that can really change things is if you love your neighbor as yourself. So today I want to talk about how to effectively touch your neighbor. Last week we talked about who is our neighbor and making time for our neighbors and being intentional with our neighbors and seeing our neighbors for who they are, which is our neighbors. And uh, I gave everybody a sheet. Did everybody take this home with them last week? If you didn't get one of these, we still have some. They're going to put it on the screen. And basically, we talked about the house in the middle. That's you. And that number A is, if you know the eight people that live around you, you know their name. And that we learned that only 10% of people in the world can actually fill out number A for all eight spaces. Actually know the eight people that live around them. The number B is, they know something about that person that you can't see from the street. Like, you know, they like to play golf or they like to do something like that. Now, if your neighbor's putting in the front yard, you know that. But just stuff you can't see from the street. And only 3% of people can fill out B for all eight eight neighbors. Man. And then C was something very personal about those eight people. You know something deeper about them. Like they want to continue their education or, or something only having a couple deep conversations with them would tell you. And less than 1% of the general population can fill out C for their eight neighbors. So what that tells me is that as neighbors, we're not doing our job if we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so today I want to talk to you about how to effectively touch those neighbors, how to effectively let them know who you are without them thinking you're crazy. Anybody here their neighbors think they're crazy? John Westerfield said, yes, he did. (laughs) I believe that, John. So number one, how do we get the people next door to let us in? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. (laughs) What did you say, Jay? 
<laughs> How do we let get the people next door to let us in? Well, first of all, we have to be light. It says in Matthew 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, when we're a light and, and we, we love our neighbors and we're a light, they see it. We may not think they see it. Well, their door's always closed. You know, they really don't open it. They never come outside. I promise you, I have doors at my house, and after about a month, even if you put in a new door jam, after a month or two, my kids slamming the door in and out, in and out, in and out. You can see light underneath that door jam. And if you're a bright enough light in your neighborhood, even to the neighbors who have their doors closed on you, it will eventually, in some way, when they open that door or crack that door, it will shine into their house, and it will affect them in a positive way. Our job as Christians is to bring light to everyone that we come in contact with. Our job is to be friends and to love people unconditionally. Second of all, we have to trust God in order for people to let us in. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit give us advice. You know, I look for opportunities for my neighbors. I'm very intentional, like I talked about last week. Very intentional. Had a new one moving in upstairs above me. First of all, I wanted to meet them, see how big they were, because I want to see how much noise I'm going to have in my apartment. <laughs> I'm hoping they're not my size with three big boys, you know what I mean? If I seen a family look, that looked like mine moving in upstairs, I'd call and ask if I could move, because my boys are just huge, and they're everywhere. And uh, so they're two really nice people. They have a garden. See there? I already know stuff about them, because I was intentional. When I saw them moving in, moving in I went and met them. I asked Pastor Jen, did you meet the new people? She was intentional. She met them. And this week sometime, I'm going to make her make brownies and bring them to her. Hopefully her brownies will be good this week. And uh, <laughs> now her brownies are always good. I'm just being funny. And so she's going to bring them brownies this week. And, and we're going to be intentional on meeting our neighbors and loving them with no strings attached. Now, if they ask me what I do, I'm going to tell them. And then I'll invite them to church. But... I'm not going to force that because, see, love doesn't pressure people. Love doesn't put pressure on people. Love doesn't, love doesn't do stuff like that. Look, let God open the doors for you to speak to people. Don't blow your neighbor's door up. Don't, don't do it. Don't blow it up. Don't take dynamite and blow your neighbor's door up. Don't. I, I can see some of you know some of the guys in here. They got this little powder, and you mix two parts together, and the explosive part is you shoot it, and it blows up. Ray Greathouse one time went to Matt's house and blew all the windows out of his house with some of this stuff. Tanya still hadn't forgiven him for it. But but the deal is, don't blow your neighbor's doors up. Don't don't just go knocking on there because they're gonna think something's crazy about you. And once the crazy factor comes in. They don't want to talk to you. If I go over there and I act crazy and say, you know, Jesus will heal you. Jesus will do this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, keep the door locked. What happens when you see a guy in black, black trousers with a white shirt ride a bicycle up to your door? You lock it, turn out the lights, you turn off the TV, and you hide under your couch. 
Because you know he's trying to sell you something false. And you don't want to hear none of it. And so we, we hide from those people because we know what they're like. Don't, don't be one of those people. Love them unconditionally. Trust God to open those doors. If you step out in faith, God will break the ice for you. But be intentional in what you do. If you see them taking out the trash, go take out the trash with them. Dog knocks over their trash, go pick it up for them. Be light in the world. And so we're talking about doing all this to touch our neighbors. And that's what Jesus says. Love your neighbors as yourself. Well, as myself, I love to go make sure my yard's clean. I, I want to pick up the trash if the dog knocks it over. Do I want to pick it up? No. But I do it because I want all my neighbors to think that I'm not crazy. So I, I pick it up. And so go pick up your neighbor's trash. Help your neighbors out. Do, do things for others that you would do for yourself. Love them as yourself. But start small. Do what you do. If you, if you bake, bake them a pie and bring it to them. If you're Gina and you're cooking every day anyway, bring them dinner one night. Say, hey, look, I just thought about you tonight. I want to bring you dinner. Nobody's going to argue with you bringing them dinner, especially if it's good. Nobody. Tell me you're going to cook for me. I'm going to love you. Because, first of all, I get home from at 8 o'clock from practice and we start cooking dinner. I got this wonderful little trusty pan. I set it. You know, 30 minutes on TV, it says in 30 minutes you can have a wonderful pot roast. And so every time I got a pot roast, squeeze it in, do it in the pan. Then I wanted to do the romper fill. I wanted to set it and forget it. Put it on 30 minutes, took it out and said, all right, it's time for dinner. Cut it open and it's bleeding. I'm like, what? When they said pot roast, they meant that big around. And so hour and a half of pressure cooking lately, later, it's finally done. But, you know, sometimes you've got to start small. Cook for your neighbors. Do little things for your neighbors. Do fun things for your neighbors. Wash their car. They might think you're crazy, though. You know, but do something to make an impact in life. It don't have to be something big like washing a car. It can be just something small. Something small. You see their newspaper. Go get it. Go lay it on their front door for them. They don't even have to see you doing it. Just look at them. See, because light's going to shine no matter what. You don't have to say, hey, I'm light. I'm light over here. I'm light. Hey, I'm light. I ain't light, but <laughs> I'm light, you know. You don't have to scream that out. People know what you are. They can see what you are. So you have to truly be light. You have to truly set the example. Wait till you get inside the yard this week. And, uh, you know, I'm being real here. Y'all with me today? Okay, wake up. <laughs> and so to effectively touch our neighbors, number two, we have to not make our neighbors a project, just make them your friend. If you really want to touch your neighbor and get through to your neighbor, don't make them a project. Don't preach to them 24 hours a day. They got all the preaching to they want in their life. They got people every day telling them what to do, what not to do. Just be a friend. Love them unconditionally. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I could speak, and this is Paul speaking, he says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of the angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you know Christians like this? They're noisy gongs. They're clanging cymbals. And they just 
they hit hit they they toot their own horn, they make their own noise and and it gets annoying. You just want to That's why people don't like the church. That's why they don't like people. They they want people that are real. They don't want noisy gong clangers. That's not what they want. That's what Paul's saying. Why are we ineffective to be effective? I can tell you why we're ineffective to be effective. It's because we're nay a noisy gong, just clanging, clanging, clanging. They know who we are. They know if we're light. They know if we're salt. They know what you are, what you're made of, but by your fruit and by how you act. They know all these things about us. I want to tell you what, we got some good salt in this room. We got some great light in this room, and we have to spread it. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't hide it. Love your neighbor. Befriend your neighbors. Find out who they are. It doesn't take much to say, hi. They're not going to think you're crazy at the high point. It's past that when they get to know you. And so we have to love them. And then Paul goes to say this, if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and proposed all knowledge that he knows. In other words, if I knew everything that God knows and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing at all. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, Paul's going far here. I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then he goes on to make this famous scripture that we all know. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, and love never loses its way. How many times have we given up on maybe reaching somebody for something? A neighbor, somebody. Love will never give up. Love never gives up. Love never gives up. Do you truly love that person that you put that way? No. We just have to keep planting the seed in their life. Over and over and over again. Paul goes on to say prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. And even if knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time comes of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And then he goes on to say three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Paul is saying no matter what, if I knew God, I knew everything about God. I knew everything, all prophecy. I knew what was going to happen tomorrow. All of that would still not matter compared to love. There's something that love does, that true, perfect love breaks down walls. It heals. Perfect love with Jesus hanging on the cross. Perfect love with him shedding his blood for us. 
perfect love was God saying, I'm going to send you my only begotten son to die for you. You know, I really didn't even grasp that scripture until my perspective changed when I had my first son. And you hold your baby in your arms and, and you realize what true, perfect love looks like. And that's what God did. And that's what he's asking us to do for our neighbors. That's what he's asking us to do for our community. We need to reach out and you see a police officer, love them. So much hate, so much violence in the world. Love them, say, hey, thank you for what you do. I just want to say thank you. No strings attached. They pull you over and give them a ticket, I tell you what will blow their mind. Just say, you know what, thank you. You're right, I was speeding. And by the way, thank you for what you do. You ever think they've heard that before? It will blow their mind. You'll see mind blown. That cop won't even be able to think to write anybody else a ticket the rest of the day. He'll be like sitting in the car like, what in the world just happened? No strings attached. Oh, you need Jesus because you just gave me a ticket, devil. They we ought to do none of that. Just, you know, may the Lord bless and keep you today. I want you to know I'm praying for you today. I'm believing for you today. Thank you for letting me know I was speeding. I'm going to slow down. Thank you for that. What would that do? Because true love for a police officer, even when he's pulling you over, isn't that, a, isn't that a different way of thinking? It's a different rationale. This is what Jesus said we should be doing, how we should be acting, how we should be going through our day. The waitress gets your order wrong. Instead of saying, you know I said no tomatoes on that burger. I hate onions. No, just say, hey, you know, um, I really don't like tomatoes, but it's okay. I just want to tell you, thank you. You're doing awesome. Just thank people. Truly love people. Set a great example in your life of what's happening with people. Look, I'm not perfect. I can get mad. Remember my cruise I went on? Guys, I didn't even tell y'all. Oh, my goodness. The devil was in full force. My room was 80 degrees the whole cruise. And that little girl from Fuel to the Fire who worked for Carmel, she said, you need to go down there and you're about to be mean, miss, or they're not going to get you room service. So I went down there and I was halfway home. And I went up to my room and said, I shouldn't have been halfway home. But God's still working on me too. He works on all of us. But we have to take opportunities in our life to send peace into people's lives. And not to give up on them. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I've, I've so speed in my life. And it's just like throwing it on rocky ground. It's just, just not happening. Just keep praying. Keep believing. Keep having faith. Keep sharing your story. Don't shovel your faith. Just use a teaspoon. Small dose. You bring a big old shovel of that nasty medicine to a kid, and he's going to throw it at you. Just a little teaspoon at a time and tell him how good it is. And you just keep, keep a teaspoon at a time, just sharing love. A teaspoon of sugar. What's the, how's the song go? Helps the medicine go. My wife just loves Julie Andrews and all those umbrella Mary Poppin movie things. She goes, you need to watch it. You've never, I've never seen them. She goes, you need to sit down and watch them. I'm like, thank you, but no thank you. And, uh. It's a classic. I said, it can stay a classic. 
to share your story, be a good listener. You know what people want? They want somebody to like them. If you do all of the talking in a relationship, you're not going to get anywhere with anybody. You truly want to know what they need in their life? You truly want to know how to love somebody? You've got to listen to them. That's why marriages die. Because we lack communication with them. We don't actually listen to our spouse when they're telling us what's wrong. Instead, we just think they're complaining as usual, and we just go on with our day, and we ignore them, and we tune them out. You know, guys have a tune-out filter. We hear when she talks about food or bedtime or something like that, but the rest of the time we tune her out for sports and everything else that's going on. Hey, turn the TV off. Your wife's more important than the game. I'm serious. Love her as you love yourself. You know it says in the Bible, and this is crazy now, nowhere in the Bible does it say that your wife has to love you. But it says we have to love her like Christ loved the church. We have to give everything to her. We have to forgive her no matter what she does. That's what Jesus did. Isn't that how Christ loved the church? Unconditionally? That's what my word says. Now it's built in ladies to love you. And they take care of it. But in the same way, we have to listen to our neighbors to be able to get through them and be able to talk to them and be able to understand what they're actually going through. And then I want to challenge you over the next 21 days to pray for your neighbors. I'm believing for neighborhoods this year. I'm believing for your neighbors this year. I'm believing they'll come to church and God will move in their life. But that starts with us not just saying, come to church with me. They need to see who you are first. You've got to be light before they're going to want to go to church with you. I don't want to go to that church. I know how they act. I'm serious now. Your neighbors know who you are. They look and they watch. They crack their blinds open. Look at them. What's going on over there? Neighbors are like that. Don't be one of those neighbors. Go outside and see if you can help with their car when it's broke down. Hey, change your tire, go help them. It'll blow their mind. And allow your neighbors to participate in the relationship. They want to bless you and do something for you, let them do it. Don't always be the one, let, you know, reciprocity or reciprocity or whatever they call that word, huh? Reciprocate, there we go. Let them reciprocate. I can't talk today. Let them reciprocate in your relationship. Casey put on Facebook, her neighbor mowed her yard this week. But she knows all eight of her neighbors' names. She knows who they are. She can fill out A, B, and C, she said, on every single one of them. Part of that reason she's lived in her house for 72 years. But uh, they feel sorry for her. They think she's old, so they mowed her yard for her. (laughs) I'm joking. But they mowed her yard for her, and they took care of her. Allow your neighbors to participate, because a friendship goes both ways. You love your neighbors, they're going to naturally love you back. That's a sign that you're doing something right when your neighbors are loving on you. In Luke 7, it talks about about Jesus. He's going to a block party, okay? And it says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. 
And when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping, and tears fell upon his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, this is very interesting. I want you to see what I saw when I read this verse. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is. And then it says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. In other words, he didn't say this out loud. He said, it says he said it to himself. And Jesus answered his thoughts. See, he never really actually spoke it out. He never actually really said it. He just thought this about this woman. And Jesus being the God he was, the Son of God, knew exactly what the man was thinking. And Jesus answered his thoughts and said, Simon, he said, I got something to say to you. Just off of his thoughts. You ever had something you wanted to say to somebody? But if we look at this, Jesus doesn't say this in a mean way. He doesn't say it in a, in a hateful way. He could, have been, he could have been mean about it and said, Simon, you're wrong. But instead, he tells Simon a story. He says, he says, I have something to say to you. And Simon says, go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. He didn't know he just read his thoughts. And he said, then, then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. And then he says, Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the debt of debt. That's right, Jesus said. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I came first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, yes, they are many. But they have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now this is a very interesting thing. So Jesus goes to, goes to another man's house, his, in a neighborhood probably. And this is a neighborly kind of guy. He invites Jesus in, probably with an agenda, probably wants something from him. But Jesus goes anyway. And this lady comes in. Now, this man we know was a Pharisee. And this lady could have caused Jesus lots of problems. They all knew she was immoral. They all knew she was a prostitute. They all knew that she... She had bad things going on in her life. They all knew about her sins. Her sins were open. And everybody in the neighborhood knew what was wrong with her. See, because Simon immediately identified who she was. He knew her. 
she knew who she was. And so she's immoral. He knew what his neighbor looked like. He knew she wasn't the kind of person he wanted in his house. Because she's got lots of sin in her life. She's got lots of things going on she don't want nobody to know about. This perfume was was expensive and probably been used to attract men. But they said it, it was so valuable that it was worth a year's wages to a normal person. And she broke it to Jesus. It was her offering. She knew she was wrong. She knew she had sin in her life. She knew she had done her wrong. But she knew and identified with who Jesus was. Jesus went as far as to say this woman's worship is greater than all of yours. For what she had done. And he forgave her even though she had sinned. It doesn't matter what a Jewish person It doesn't matter what a neighbor has done. It doesn't matter what your co-worker does on the weekend. Jesus loves them all the same. You know why so many people that come out of drug addiction and come out of of bad, bad backgrounds, when they do find Jesus, it's a radical experience? Because those that have sinned much have already repented. They, they, They take what Jesus has done for them And they respect it. And they love it. That's what we need to do in our lives. Jesus wanted this woman to know that her offering mattered. And he wanted to restore self-respect and dignity back into her life. And he wants to do the same thing for each and every one of us. So to effectively touch our neighbors, which neighbors should we focus on? Well, you might say all of them. That is right, but it's also wrong. Can't be everybody's best friend. Jesus wasn't everybody's best friend. We read in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, and he sends them to people's houses, and uh, he gives them specific instructions on how to act and what to do, and He says, go to their house, is what he says. I'm going to paraphrase because I'm running short on time today. But he says, go to their house, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. He says, say to the house, peace on this house. And if there's a son of peace there, then, then stay there. Dwell there. That's the house I want you to go to. Okay? Now, this is, this is specific. It's what he tells the 72. Now, if they're not there, your blessing will go with you. Leave if they're not, not a person of peace. In other words, if they're not somebody who wants to be a friend, there's not, they're not somebody that wants to be a neighbor or wants you there. Still be light in their life. Still bless them. Still love them. But it's, it's not the person you need to focus on on this time. And see, he told the 72 when he sent them out, he said, find these certain houses because these people that know how to be neighbors, these people that know how to friend, be friends, they're going to have circle of friends. Stay there. He didn't tell them keep going and going and going. He says stay there. He wanted them to build a relationship with those people at that house because they had a circle of friends. They had a circle of influence themselves. And when you're friends with them, it opens up more doors for you to reach more people in your life. 
so Jesus sent out the 72, told them to go, and they go, and they do exactly what Jesus had told them. Now, we all know that Jesus had 12 other disciples also. Now, do we read about him spending time with the 72 over and over and over again? No, he spent time with them, he sent them out. He wasn't, their, he wasn't best friends to everybody. He, couldn't, he didn't have time to be friends with everybody. He was very unique in, in the way he thought because he was God. And he, he knew that he needed to, to impart and, and impact those lives that were going to make an impact for kingdom. He was thinking about his kingdom and what it was going to take to move it forward. And so we as Christians have to say the same thing. Uh, we plant seeds everywhere we go, but there's certain places where we take time to water seeds. And so he watered those seeds of the 12. But then we see, we see in Luke, we see in Matthew 17, 1 through 9, Jesus leaves and he goes and he takes just three. He takes Peter, James, and John. We see he was more intentional with the three than even with the, with the 12. And he spent more time with them because he knew they were going to make a greater impact. And so when people open their doors, there's a son of peace in your neighborhood that, that welcomes you in. You spend more time with them. You impact in their life, and you plant seed, and you begin to water the seed. And as you water the seed, it says in his word also in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, we plant, someone else might water, but he gives the growth and the increase. Let me tell you a secret. If you plant seed in a field long enough, eventually you're going to get the right conditions for a perfect crop. Don't ever give up. You might say, well, I planted seeds last year in that field. That's okay. Plant seeds again this year. Because one of these years, you're going to plant enough seed, you're going to put the right amount of water on it, and God's going to bring increase into the things that you've been watering in your life. There's family members in your life. There's friends in your life that you say, well, you know, I just feel like I'm wasting my time planting seed in their life. I'm promising you, God is faithful to those who are faithful. And faithfulness is not an instant, instant quick fix. We plant seeds and we water seeds. God got it worked for me since he was, he was, he lied to us, told us he was 18. We found out he was 16. And there was all kinds of labor stuff, but he worked for us for over 20 years for my family. And um, worked on him, worked on him, invited him to church, invited him to church, invited him to church, invited him to church. And I will tell you, it wasn't until the last year, I'd quit working for the company even, but the last year, Right before I moved here, I watched him came to church and greeted me. He told me how sad because of one dream that he had had all his life. And watched him, watched him listen to the message that Sunday and walk down the aisle and give his life to Jesus. 20 years of faithfulness. 20 years of doing what's right and being light in this guy's life. 20 years. See, we can plant a tree and we can water it, but we don't we don't have a crop. God is faithful to do those things that we want Him to do. Some of our favorite, most successful things we do as a as a church family is we get together and we hang out as a family. People in general love to hang out as a family. I love to be around people. That's who I am. That's who my family is. We love to spend time with people. We love to go out to the barn. If you've never been to the barn, we're going to have a barn event here pretty quick and. You'll get to come out and enjoy that with us. But we all get together and watch football games and have fun because people like to be together. But the deal is, invite your neighbor to these barn events. We don't mind. When we say it's for the church, it's for everybody. Invite your neighbor. When you have a life team, 
invite your neighbor. You got good lights in your having fun. Now, if you don't like it, it ain't no good. Don't invite them. But if it's a good life team, invite them. And you really love it, invite them to come with you. Plant seed in your neighbor's life continually. And learn how to learn how when they open doors for you to talk about church, learn how to lean into that. And, and talk a little more. Now, if they're not open to that, just keep being friends, keep loving them. Eventually, they're going to want to know why you are the way you are. If your light's shining enough, they're going to want to tap into that. Let them tap into it. But we have to create those moments in our neighbor's life. Even if you've got to have a strategic party at your house just for your neighbors. Do it. Reach your neighbors. That's what Jesus said. Love your neighbors as yourself. The only way you can love them is if you know them. Jesus is the only person I know that it says before he even knew me. Get to love them. Somebody here today might be saying, well, Pastor, I need this in my life. I feel all alone. I don't feel like there's nobody there for me. My marriage is going wrong. Things are going wrong in my life. And I don't know who to turn to. David's going to come play today. And we're going to close with this. You might feel like you're in a dark place might feel, well, how I be the light, Pastor? How can I be light, Pastor? And, and I, I promise you, I'm, I'm in the darkest place I've ever been in my life. Things aren't, everything's going wrong. I don't know what, what move to make next. You might say, Pastor, I, I haven't had a friend in years. I go to church every Sunday, and I just don't, I don't know anybody. Well, we won't change that. I want you to know people. I'll be your friend. Come find me. I'll pray with you. I'll, I'll love you. And I'll help you get through what you're going through. And God is always here on this altar just waiting on us. But it takes someone to break the ice. We've been talking that, about that for a couple weeks. Even with God in our life, we have to break ice. And we have to move forward. When Jesus gave the great commandment, he said, go. He didn't say, stand still and it'll happen. He said, go. If you feel something happening in your life and you say, Pastor, I'm in that dark place. And, and I'm trying to get out of it. Our prayer partners are going to come in just a minute. And they're going, they're, they want to pray with you. And they want to believe with you. And I promise you, this altar isn't just a thing we talk about. These prayer partners aren't just people we talk about. They love God with all their heart. And they love you too. And they want to see a difference made in your life. You might say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I broke up with my boyfriend, and love's been going wrong in my life the last couple years. Well, I can tell you about perfect love. And his name is Jesus. And he's always there for you. I was 13 years old, Ken Fleming, one of the most prophetic guys in, in, ever in the nation gave me a word and he said Ryan he said you have an apostolic anointing on your life I was like alright and then he told me the next part of the word he said but he said when all your friends do you wrong when all your friends are no longer there by your side know that I'm always right there 
right there with me. And it's carried, I, I thought it was a, a horrible word at the time that, you know, my friends might leave me. But it's a word that I've stood on. It's a word that I've gravitated to. It's a word that I've held on all these years. And, and it's got me through some tough situations because I knew when, when things were going wrong and I was all by myself, that he was still there. That word just pops in my mind, and I, I know, Jesus, you're faithful. Jesus, you're my friend no matter what. Jesus, you love me no matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, or no matter what my circumstances look like, you love me. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you today that you're a faithful friend. No matter where I've been in my life, you've always been there for me. Father, that I've always known no matter how dark of a situation I was in, I could run to the light. And you were always there right in the midst. Because you are light, you are life, you are good. Father, I thank you for those today, Father, that, that have things in their life they need to have changed. I think it says in Romans, Father God, that everyone that calls on your name shall be saved. Today, Father, we call on your name. Save us, heal us, set us free, Father, from everything that's going wrong in our life. Today, maybe you need to say that prayer today. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you said, I need some light in my life. I need, I need this Jesus in my life. I need to feel what real love is all about. He wants to do that for you. If you need to ask Jesus into your heart today, you've never... Said, I know I'm in a dark place, Pastor, but I need that light you were talking about. I need help. I'm, I'm stuck in a pit and I need somebody to lower a rope and help me out of it. I need something bigger than myself to save me. Jesus is here today and He wants to do that for you. It says, if we admit we're sinners, we believe in our hearts that He died for us. And it says, we confess with our tongues that we shall be saved. It says, everyone who calls on his name shall be saved. So, Dave, if you want to call on the name of Jesus, I just want you, while you're standing where you're at today, to repeat this prayer with me. Father, I know I'm a sinner. Father, I know I'm lost. But I know you died for me. And I know you can save me. The day I ask you to do that, save me, change me, set me free today I call upon your Lord, your name Lord and today I'm saved by your grace in your name I pray amen the altars are open if you need prayer this morning I'd love to pray with you if not you can be dismissed Father we bless them as they go today Father they're blessed in the city they're blessed everywhere they go Father open doors in their neighborhoods so that they can touch and love their neighbors in your name we pray, amen. Have a blessed day.